But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Welcome. We're glad you're worshiping with us today, whether it be in person or online, whether you're with us for the first time or whether you've been with us for a while. Welcome. Today is Peace Sunday, honoring the past and trusting God, our source of life and hope as we go into the future. There are a few items to highlight in the bulletin, and I think Mel will make his way up as we start. There's so much in the bulletin, we'll only be highlighting a few things. Please read online, and uh, you'll find a lot there. Go ahead, Mel. Thanks, Debbie. <clears throat> I, um, I have to first say that um, hi to all of you who are in your homes this morning. Kyle um, is often pretty busy on his phone, and he already tells me there's um, probably more of you watching at home than are here. This looks more like a Blue Bomber game in the third quarter. So, um, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> so, uh, we're glad that, that we are watching at home or here. I've got a couple of things I'd like to mention to you. Um, the first of all um, is that um, talking about football, uh, the Western semifinal would be played this week if we were watching the CFL. The Riders would be at home in the Grey Cup in two weeks if we were watching football. None of those are happening, so you are all invited Wednesday night to a COVID information session with Curtis Cron and Carm Weeb. Um, I've been visiting with some of you, and it's been interesting to hear um, people being um, not wondering what we shouldn't do because we're all told about that, and then we either say yes or no to those. But what can we do? Someone told me this week that they'd gone out for a walk with someone, but then they said, but can we 
Like, can we, what else can we do? Can we do more? I assume, like, have tea together or whatever. So they are going to answer questions about maybe not only showing us what we need to do, but maybe how we can, what we can do so we can relax and enjoy life, even if it's not the same as it has been um, in our past. So Wednesday night, it's in the bulletin. You'll see it right there, COVID information, Zoom presentation. The link will be set out so that you can um, reach that one. And then secondly, um, regarding where we're going now, um, we are streaming, as I already mentioned. Um, for those of you who are not comfortable being here, I'm glad you're at home watching. I hope that we are comfortable for those of us who come here because we want you to be. And we've been talking to people, we're listening, and as long as we feel safe and good being here together, um, we um, feel comfortable proceeding. I would like to say that we're not open here um, in order to defy or deny or prove anything to anyone. If we didn't feel it was a good idea to be open, to have a service together, we, we would not be doing that. So as we talk with people, as we talk with each other, we've talked with medical folks within our congregation so far that we feel that we are doing what we need to be safe and to be good for people who would like to come together here. Um, when that is no longer possible, we won't. But I will say it this way, in order for us to feel comfortable and safe here, in order for us to do this for those who would like to be here, please take seriously the restrictions and the guidelines that were given so that when we meet, we feel it's a safe place for people to come together. Having said that, God be with us here as we gather in our lives during the week, at home as you're watching, as we are anxious or more comfortable. We all hold this differently in different ways. God be with us all as we do this different time together. Uh, we have a few other Zoom uh, meetings or Zoom opportunities this week. Uh, Tuesday, Grace Formation uh, is on racism um, and the church, and so you're very welcome to join for Zoom then. And then there's regular Wednesday morning and evening Zoom prayers. This will all come through your email, but uh, pay, you know, keep that in mind. Um, the request for donations for Pongasi, uh, people have really answered that well. We th um, thank you for your generosity. If, there, if you have a few items at home that you still want to drop off, do that by Tuesday. Kyle will be leaving on Thursday with carloads of items to take. Child dedication is postponed until a safer date, and the church hike is also postponed until a safer time. Please join me in our call to worship. The invitation is given to every person by Jesus Christ. Come to me, follow me, be my disciples. In the name of Christ, we accept the invitation to discipleship. In the name, <clears throat> in the name of Christ, we worship and praise God. In the midst of a world where cruelty abounds, we proclaim the God of compassion. In the midst of despair that threatens to overtake whole lives, whole peoples, we proclaim the God of hope. In the midst of indifference and apathy, we proclaim the God of love. Come, let us worship together and share our witness of God's living presence in the world. The gift of love. Based on the love chapter from Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, let inward love guide every deed. By this we worship and are freed.
Please join me in a prayer for Remembrance Day. It'll be on the screen for you to follow. Please read aloud the second, May God Give Peace, which is written in bold. And then at the end, we will join together in the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray for all who suffer as a result of conflict and ask that God may give us peace. For all who have died in the violence of war, each one remembered by and known to God, may God give peace. May God give peace. For those who love them in death as in life, offering the distress of our grief and the sadness of our loss, may God give peace. May God give peace. For all who are in danger this day, remembering family, friends, and all who pray for their safe return, may God give peace. May God give peace. For civilian women, children, and men whose lives are disfigured by war or terror, calling to mind in penitence the anger and hatreds of humanity, May God give peace. May God give peace. For peacemakers and peacekeepers who seek to keep this world secure and free, may God give peace. May God give peace. For all who bear the burden and privilege of leadership, asking for gifts of wisdom and resolve in the search for reconciliation and peace, may God give peace. May God give peace. O God of truth and justice, we hold before you those whose memory we cherish and those whose names we will never know. Help us to lift our eyes above the torment of this broken world and grant us the grace to pray for those who wish us harm. May God give peace. As we honor the past, May we put our faith in your future, for you are the source of life and hope, now and forever. Amen. Let's join with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Wednesday, November 11th, is Remembrance Day a day dedicated to thinking about war and peace. In 1919, at the end of World War I, the League of Nations was established, a world organization dedicated striving to cease all wars. Never again, they said. Only 20 years later, World War II broke out. In 1945, the United Nations was born and still works to promote peace and justice. Despite valiant efforts to maintain peace, violence and war continue, although World War III has been averted for 75 years. We'd like to sing a song we've sung before about war, as seen through the eyes of the most innocent children. Prayer of the Children. Kurt Bester, the composer, experienced the Yugoslavian Civil War in the 1990s. Can you hear the prayer of the children on bended in the shadow of an unknown room, empty arms, 
with no more tears to cry, turning heavenward toward the light, crying, who will help me to see the morning light of one more day? But if I should die before I I pray my soul to take Can you feel The hearts of the children Aching for food For something of the Mel, you'll be happy to know that you make fun of the bombers and my phone starts buzzing because there's like 85 people at home watching this. <laughs> I'd say you should text Mel this stuff, but he can't hear his phone ring anyways and doesn't really check his voicemail. <laughs> uh, today's scripture reading is a familiar story to some of us, but I didn't want to assume for all of us. And so as I tell the story... Uh, your homework is to listen to how many times I use the word fish, okay? And my kids are here now, so they're going to listen as well. So how many times do I say the word fish for the scripture? This is a paraphrase of four chapters of Jonah. So one day, one day long ago, God spoke to Jonah. Jonah, up on your feet. You got to go to the big city of Nineveh preach to them. They are in a bad way, and I can ignore it no longer. Quick context, Nineveh was the Babylonians. They 
actually had just conquered Judah and the Hebrews, and we have artwork from the Babylonians back in that day, and there's pictures of the king on his throne, and all of the Hebrews are lined up to either be slaves or have their heads cut off. So that's the context for the Babylonians are bad people, and God wants Jonah to go there. And Jonah's like, "Ah, no, I'm out of here, and ran in the other direction, running away from God and the Ninevites. And so he found a ship headed for a faraway land and got on board. But on that ship, God sent a huge storm with towering waves, and the ship was doing this and this and about to break. And the sailors were terrified, and they called out in desperation to their gods, and they started throwing things overboard to try to lighten the ship. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the bottom of the ship and was taking a nap, sound asleep. So the captain came and shook him and said, what's this? You're sleeping. Get up. Pray to your God so that we can be rescued. And then the sailors said to one another, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's draw straws to see who's responsible for this storm. And they drew straws, and Jonah got the short one. So they grilled them, confess, why is this disaster happening to us? What is your work? Where do you come from? What country? What family? He said, I am a Hebrew, and I worship God, the God of heaven who made sea and land. And at that point, the men were frightened. And they said, what have you done? And Jonah explained that he was running away from God. He said, what are you doing? You can't do that. Now look at the storm you've caused. So Jonah said, throw me overboard into the sea, and the storm will stop. It's all my fault. But the men clearly did not want to throw this guy overboard, so they tried rowing back to shore. They made no headway. The storm only grew worse and worse and wild and raging. And then they finally prayed, okay, God, we're going to throw him overboard like he said, but don't blame us for his death. We're only doing what he said. So they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And immediately the sea quieted down. And then God assigned a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the fish's belly for three days and three nights. And then God spoke to the fish, and it vomited up Jonah onto the seashore. So next, God spoke to Jonah a second time. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. So this time, Jonah started off straight for Nineveh obeying God. And he entered the city, went one day's walk in, and preached, in 40 days, this city will be smashed. And the people of Nineveh listened, and they trusted God, and they proclaimed a citywide fast and dressed in burlap sack to show how sorry they were for their sins. Everyone did it, rich and poor, famous and obscure, leaders and followers, even the king trusted God saw what they had done, that they had turned away from their evil lives, and he did change his mind about them. What God said would happen didn't. At this, Jonah was furious. He lost his temper, and he yelled at God and said, God, I knew it! When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen, and that's why I ran away. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy. I knew you were not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. I knew it! So God, if you won't kill them, then I am better off dead. God looked at Jonah. What do you have to be angry about? But Jonah just left. He went out of the city to the east and sat down in a sulk. So, Ariana, how many times did I say fish? Three! Excellent. You'd think that, I don't know, with this story, somebody living in the belly of a fish or a whale, depends on how you read it, for three days and like living to tell the story would be kind of a big deal. 
Like, surely the storyteller would focus on that aspect of the story, right? But do you know why it's not? Because the story is not really about the fish. That's just the part that we tell to make, make the story stick, or the part that we tell our children. And the story isn't even only about Jonah, where we read the story and put ourselves in Jonah's shoes and decide that maybe we'd better not ignore God or else we might be the ones living inside a fish for three days. Although, can you imagine the money you could make if you were eaten by a fish and you sold the rights to Netflix? I like to think that this is a story that's been told for thousands of years because it is a story about the character of God and sometimes the best way to get a message across is to tell a story. I need to get my phone for my story. I'm back on camera now. The year was 2015, so five years ago. Claire and Stuart were having coffee in the church foyer after worship one day, back in the, be- the before times. And they should have been discussing the sermon that Sunday, but Mel preached it and it was so boring it wasn't worth remembering. That's for the bomber joke. And so out of habit, Stuart pulled out his phone and saw a notification from CBC News. Oh, wow. Look at this, Claire. The Turkish army and ISIS are fighting in Kobani. If ISIS wins, watch out. Claire smiled, not really quite knowing how best to respond. Um, Stuart, I don't, I don't know where Kobani even is. Do you know where Kobani is? Stuart got a little defensive. Yeah, yeah, it's somewhere near like Turkey or Syria, and it's a pretty important city. You know, if ISIS gets this, they might invade Europe, and I have relatives in Germany, and they're watching this closely. It's kind of scary. Claire was a bridge builder, not a bridge burner, and so she sought to understand the motivation behind Stuart's anxiety. Why are you scared of a battle in a city across the world, a city that, until right now, I had never even heard of? Come on, Claire, I know what you're doing here. You're trying to convince me that I should not be afraid, but if they are not stopped over there, then it is only a matter of time until we have to stop them over here. Two weeks later, after yet another boring sermon from Mel, Claire got up to the mic to make an announcement to the congregation. She said, she was over here, (laughs) she said, there are currently more refugees on this planet than there have ever been in all of human history, including after World War II. So we are working on a plan to sponsor some and settle them here in Steinbach. And our church has done this before, and we'd like to do it again. And so we're going to have a meeting after church if you'd like more information. Coincidentally, or not, Stuart felt his phone vibrate in his pocket. He had forgotten to turn it off for church, which is close to an unforgivable sin. But we all know that if your phone's vibrating, you can't really ignore it. So even though they were in the middle of the congregational prayer, he pulled it out to sneak a peek in the pew. You're all texting me. This is really funny. (laughs) Sneak a peek. ISIS and Syrian forces still fighting in Kobani. He could feel his blood pressure rise. He could not believe that Claire was up there sputzing about refugees when there was a war going on and we wouldn't really know who we were sponsoring and what if an ISIS fighter got through and forget this, he thought to himself. As soon as the benediction was over, he blew right past the coffee counter, hastily half-waved at an usher and got into his car to drive home. Now, Stuart lived in Marchand, bless his soul. But that Sunday morning, Stuart never made it home. Nope, halfway home, he saw a massive shape run across the road. It was a moose. And in an effort to avoid hitting the moose, he did this and he did this and he did this and his car went off the road into the ditch, out the ditch and into the forest next to the highway. The moose 
was so big and so hungry that even though mooses, mooses, <laughs> moose are herbivores, it ate Stuart whole. Hours later, Stuart woke up inside the moose to his phone ringing. He looks at it. It was Claire. Guys, stop texting me now. I can't do this. <laughs> it was Claire. God, Stuart ignored the phone call. But now his phone said, missed phone call from Claire. So he deleted that notification. Hours later, it buzzed again. And he looked. Now Claire was texting him. What was her problem? He read the text. Hey, Stuart, I noticed that you didn't stay after church for our meeting. Everything all right? No, Claire, everything is not all right. I am currently inside a moose. But he couldn't actually text that to Claire because Claire would probably not only believe him but also think that he's being a jerk and responding with ridiculous responses. The texts and phone calls from Claire never stopped, and every time Stuart ignored them, thinking Claire has no idea what she's talking about, they're dangerous, has she not read the news about Kobani? This pattern went on for three days. It was a miracle that his phone battery didn't die. It must have been something to do with the stomach acids of the moose charging his phone or something like that. But finally, after three days, Stuart relented. He texted back, Hi, Claire. Thanks for your patience. I'm in. And as soon as he clicked send, the moose spit Stuart back up, and Stuart found himself in his now-smashed-up car in the forest, surrounded by paramedics and firefighters. He's breathing, one of them called. You had us real scared there, bud. Let's get you to the hospital. His first visitor was Claire. She didn't say much other than to express gratitude that Stuart survived the car crash and that he was going to be all right. And as Claire was leaving the hospital room, Stuart said, Hang on, Claire. I will send you an e-transfer tonight to help support the family, even if they are from Kobani. Claire smiled and said, thanks. And, and in a miracle greater than surviving three days in the stomach of a moose, and in a miracle greater than the moose stomach acids charging a cell phone, this miracle was that government bureaucracy was expedited, and lo and behold, Everyone at church the next Sunday was having a party in the foyer because their new family had come from Kobani. Everyone was partying except for Stuart. He was in the parking lot again, watching the party unfold through the window. He slumped in his car seat. Where was this party when I left the hospital after getting swallowed by a moose, he wondered to himself. Then he heard a tapping. He jumped as he looked. Someone was knocking on his window of his car. You can guess who. Claire, again. Who is this woman, Stuart thought, and why can't she just leave me alone? But he was nicer than that. He rolled down his window Hi, Claire. She said, are you all right, Stuart? Like, we're having cinnamon buns inside there and missing you, and you were a big part of helping us get this done really quickly, and we just miss you. Do you want to come join us? And without saying another word, Stuart rolled up his window and drove home. So is this a story about the moose? Well, no, not really. Was Stuart actually eaten by a moose? Well, maybe, but probably not. Is the story about Stuart? Yeah, definitely could be. But what does the story say about Claire? 
Claire, who is going to make sacrifices for her neighbor. Claire, who is trying to love her neighbor across the world. Claire, who is looking to help her neighbor, whom some might fear as a threat. Maybe the story about Claire and Claire inviting people to join her in giving life to others is the point of the story. And maybe the story is about how Claire journeyed with Stuart, how Claire was with Stuart in the church, in the hospital, and even when Stuart was in the belly of a moose, Claire was always there, wasn't she? And maybe the story is about how Claire's love and grace and patience were so extraordinary that at times it seemed ridiculous and not real And who can actually live up to those standards? Who's there? Stuart looked up. Oh, it's Claire again. Why can't she just leave me alone? Because that is just not who Claire is. Amen. Rotenberg, the composer of the song we'd like to sing now, uses the analogy of a handshake to symbolize the embracing of humankind of all colors and views in the struggle and hope for peace. Let love trump all else, hands united in love, freedom, and peace. How ironic, Cobit says, no handshakes.
join together. Please join me in prayer. Gracious and merciful God, who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, we worship you. We put our hope in you, our source of peace and strength. We come to you humbly, aware of the ways we cause you pain. Loving Jesus, open our eyes to all whom you love. Help us to listen, help us to hear, help us to feel their concerns, their need. As you have been gracious to us, may we show the same to these whom you also love. We think of those with spoken and unspoken needs at this time. We pray for Noreen Clausen, recovering from hip, from surgery, and Leslie Sonin recovering at home with a fall which broke her hip. We pray for continued healing and strength for both of them. We pray for international workers, John and Karen Friesen, living in Egypt, and also Daniel and Damaris Lowen Rogers as they mourn the loss of Daniel's mom. God, would you grant both families peace and an awareness of your presence at this time. Then we bring to you the needs of Pongasi First Nations as they are in lockdown over potential exposures to COVID and in need of clothing. Thank you for the response of our community with the abundance of clothing. May we respond to you as you nudge us to continue to pray for them. God, we believe you are present, that you are all-powerful, and that you never stop imparting light and love, even when we can't see it. Even when our fears and sense of frustration overwhelm us, especially these days. Enable us to walk our journey with faith and find you to be our center, our source. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Power and warmth result from rendering an apology or offering someone forgiveness. An evening prayer in closing.
As we go out to give a living witness, as we go out to testify to God's love active in the world, we go knowing that God goes with us, sharing the laughter and the hope, the fears and the tears. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>